0: Sound nuts, but it works. I try and talk to myself in the third person, and so I would do things like okay, right, this week you have just done nothing but feel like shit when you're working because the kids are not with you, and then when the kids are with you, you're not enjoying it because you're wanting to work. This is ridiculous. So, you're going to have to find a way, Bryony, where you can. Enjoy working, because that's all you can physically can control right now. And when you're with the children, enjoy them.
1: Hello, and welcome to Mum Life, a podcast for ambitious mums navigating the sweet and messy journey of motherhood. I'm Leonie Akitano, and each week I will bring you conversations with mums and parenting experts about the highs and lows of motherhood and tips to make our lives that little bit easier. Hi, everyone. I hope you've had a good week and taken the time to do something for yourselves this week. That's the theme of today's episode. I'm feeling good this week, more myself, because I consciously made that time in my diary to do things that I enjoy. Rather than feeling like I'm being swept up in mum obligations, work commitments, to do lists, which is my usual state of affairs. And prioritising me has resulted in me feeling more like my upbeat self. Before I continue, I want to let you know that this week we're bringing you a conversation with Bryony Kennedy, founder and CEO of Adorn Cosmetics. Bryony is so open and raw about her journey as a new parent. She experienced a Debilitating pregnancy, postnatal depression, whilst building her empire from scratch. It's a harrowing journey, so stay tuned. Every week, I like to give you a win and lesson from my week. My win? Well, despite the organised chaos that is mum life, I've felt more like my pre baby self, as I mentioned earlier, more motivated, higher energy, and, and generally happier. Why? Here comes the lesson, folks because I actively set up my environment for success this week. For me, that meant allocating time in my diary for exercise, to socialize, to call an old friend for a long chat, to listen to a podcast and to start that new book on Audible. These seem like little things, but combined, they have a huge impact. So for those of you who may be struggling at the moment in a mum life rut, this is my public service announcement ditch at least one thing on the to-do list and prioritize you in that time. Because nothing is more important than your well-being. This rings true in the conversation I have with Briony today. Briony is an absolute powerhouse, but was once like us, juggling work, children, life whilst dealing with mum guilt and setting the bar to a level of perfection that was unattainable. Sound familiar? In this conversation, Bryony speaks so honestly about her struggles and tells us the things that she did to ground herself in those early years of parenthood. This conversation is a reminder that despite great adversity, you too can reach your wildest dreams. Enjoy. Bryony, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Exciting. Yeah. I was just saying, I'm such a huge fan of your podcast, uh, Beauty, Business and Babies. I'll actually pop that in the episode notes as well. It's just, it's so lovely to hear someone, you know, obviously very successful businesswoman, but also speaking so candidly about your life and your motherhood experiences. And it was actually after listening to one of your podcast episodes about sort of stepping into the arena and doing the things that, you know, you're passionate about and and who cares what people think. And, you know, you'll find your little community, you know, with whatever it is that you're passionate about. It was after listening to that episode that actually led me to doing this podcast. So you've been such an integral part of my journey. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh,
0: I'm glad to hear that. Well, that's fantastic. It's nice to know that you, yeah, you, you help People, even in the smallest ways, to make a big difference to their own lives. So that's great. Oh,
1: absolutely. And it's through your vulnerability. And, you know, and as I said, speaking so candidly, that I think that really. End up resonating with people, and is certainly something I'm trying to do as well through this podcast too. Um, so let's kick it off. I'm very excited for our audience to hear about your motherhood journey. Um, but I guess first and foremost, tell me a little bit about your life um, prior to being a mother. What what kept you
0: busy? Wow. So before, gee, that feels like such a long, well, it is <laughs> over a decade ago. So it is a while ago before that happened. Um, mm-hmm. But look, I've always been a, a fairly active person, you know, from a, I guess, a social but also a physical point of view. I've always loved my fitness and I've always been in uh, fairly corporate roles. Um, and then, of course, I sort of ventured off into my own uh, business uh, just a little bit before I found out I was having my. Um, or was pregnant the first time. So, yeah, I was definitely always in very active, you know, high corporate-type roles, um, you know, worked long hours. I guess I was always someone and probably still is someone who strives for perfectionism. Um, I think that's just by nature the way I am and I've, I've had to sort of learn that, that there's no such thing as that, I've got to ease off that side of things. But I was definitely someone who was very much working for that high level of achievement for everything um, and definitely working, yeah, the, lo- the long hours. I worked in the car industry, believe it or not, for a long time, so there's not too much I haven't seen or heard in, from, from being in that industry over or 20 years ago, probably now, actually. Um, it definitely hardened me up a little bit. But But, yeah, I think for me you know, having a very structured life and, and also, you know, working to times, I've always been very uh, fastidious about things and, uh, yeah, definitely liked having things, con- you know, in a controlled environment prior to having children. So having uh, my first pregnancy and my, and my twins being my first, that was a massive shock to, uh, to yeah. my personality and, <laughs> and uh, yeah. the way I was used to sort of living my life for sure. So
1: before, when you found out you were pregnant, what did you think life would be like? Did you think you would still be able to have some sort of con- control and structure when you had your twins?
0: Yeah, I guess I probably fell into that trap of thinking that uh, I would be able to do things when and how I wanted to do them and that the, the baby, in my case, babies would just come along for the ride. Um And, you know, I understood that there'd have to be some changes. I mean, I wasn't uh, silly in that respect, but I I guess you you just never know until you are in that situation how hard it is. And it's not because so much that the role being a mum's a hard one, it's that you can't emotionally step away from it. So unlike a a job, uh, a career, another sort of relationship, whether it's a boyfriend or a husband or a friend, you know, that could be quite intense but when it's too intense you can walk away and, and have some time out so i think the reality and the shock of being a parent for the first time is that yes it's it's a relentless but rewarding role but you can't it's one that you emotionally can't step away from so even if you're able to have a 20 minute breathe, breather or someone lets you you know have a nap um, you know, it's the, it's the guilt and that emotional tie that doesn't always let you have the break, that, that brain break that you need. So um, I guess I was never prepared for that and I don't think anyone really can be. So for me, I think it was accepting and it, and it took many, many years of realising that it was okay for me not to have it all together and not to be the ideal of what I thought Motherhood should be, uh, and I guess it took me a long time to stop feeling embarrassed about how I was as a mum. And like in, in in reflection, there was nothing embarrassing about how I was as a parent at all. But for me, I'd come from this very structured, organised person who probably got more done in their day than maybe some. Um, and you know, I was always up very early. You know, I was a five o'clock starter. And so for me to go from having that control to then like not knowing what my day was going to be like made me feel at the end of every day I'd failed because I hadn't and wasn't able to achieve all of the things that I was normally able to do, which is just ridiculous, Uh, especially when you've got twins. I mean, it's just unfathomable that I would even have, have comprehended that I could do all the things that I was doing before. But... It's yourself, isn't it? It's you and your perception of it and then the reality of it. And if those two things don't match, you can be so hard on yourself um, and, and it's it's just not fair. So for me, I think it was definitely the shock of not being able to to do the things that I was wanting to do prior um, and the failure that I guess I'd set myself up for. That's what it ultimately was, setting myself up for failure.
1: So, where were you at in your life at that point? So, you'd um, just had your twins. What was happening work wise? What was happening? You know, had you committed to taking time off? Where Where were things at?
0: Yeah. So, for me, I had a a beauty salon at that point in time. I'd purchased um, that a couple of years prior, and um, had it had really probably beaten me down. To if I'm if I'm brutally honest, that was a, a business that I. <laughs> At off. It's a it's a very competitive, um, almost saturated market to be in. So, you know, it was a very difficult thing uh, for me. And whilst that's probably another story and, and it was a successful business, I just decided that I'd had enough and I'd done all that I could do with it. I had set a membership program up a bit like a gym structure. So it was a really great business for the next person to take, but it it was one that I had just been um, depleted of my energy. So I decided to sell it and then within the transition of the new owner taking over, I found out that I was having uh, twins. Um, And so that was a huge shock. But in some respects, I think it was a good thing because knowing me, I would have jumped into another something. Uh, So it probably happened at a good time. Uh, for me, because at that point I think I was it must have been about 28, maybe about that point. So because I was 29, I think when I had the boys. So, so for me, I had just sold a business. So it was probably good timing in that in that respect, um, and also in definitely good timing because unfortunately I got uh, that hyperamysis or HG hyperamysis. Gravidorium, I never can say it right, um, but I had that, and so that was a massive shock because twelve years ago, no one really knew what that was. I think they just thought that I had excessive morning sickness, um, but anyone that's experienced HG will know that it is the most debilitating, soul-destroying, revolting illness you can have, and it's it's the equivalent of what if you've ever had a hangover, and mm. And I mean the worst hangover you've ever had in your life and you don't know whether you want to eat or vomit or you're thirsty or the sight of water. Like that is HG 24 hours a day. It's just horrible. And for me, I was literally uh, from finding out I was pregnant, I had probably a couple of weeks where I was fine and then it hit me and I was um, couch ridden. Um, for the entire pregnancy. And the only time I left the house was if I had to go to the hospital to be put on an IV um, or given some extra nausea drugs. And, again, back then, not much probably known about it. So I was given um, some nausea tablets that I know um, is used quite commonly for, for cancer patients and things like that. And as much it helped, it sort of kind of a little bit helped, it was just nothing that... Um, really did anything major. So there were, were difficult times for me where I felt, to be honest, um, like I, I wanted the babies not to survive, as awful as that sounds. I was so ill that I felt like I was dying and I, I actually felt like dying might have been a better option. Um, so I can totally sympathise when someone has been that sick that they don't want to carry on anymore. It was, it was awful. And then you're racked with the guilt of those thoughts that you could possibly be thinking that way when you are, you know, growing a human, like how selfish and ogresome of you to be thinking things like that. Um, so that becomes soul-destroying because you think, how am I thinking like this? I feel like absolute death and I'm not sure if death would be the worst thing that would happen to me right now. Um, so I think that slowly, because of the illness and because of being isolated, because for me I was isolated for you know a good nine months, um, and you know I couldn't do anything. So for me that was that was hard, and really definitely started the journey of I guess depression. Um, and I think that was definitely a contributing factor to what I experienced after I had the boys.
1: So talk to me about that. So were you diagnosed at the time um, as having sort of prenatal depression? No, like because no.
0: again, I probably just put it down to being ill. You know, people just think, yeah. oh, you're sick, you know, um, just take one day as it comes. And, and all that advice that you get, I suppose, is is all meant to be nice and helpful. But, you know, when you're in that moment yourself, it's, it's, Nothing really makes a difference. So no, I was not diagnosed with that, and I, um, I guess probably it's interesting that the hospitals, the amount of times I was in there, they didn't sort of investigate that a little bit further. But but it wasn't done. So um, so when I had the boys, I I mean look, there, there was a couple of months of reprieve I was feeling a bit better, and I was actually able to do. Um, a little bit of temp work, believe it or not. I was the size of a house, but I just wanted to get out of the house. So I did a little bit of temp work for some agencies. um, And that was really good for for me, for my psyche, I suppose. And then I had the boys and going from the type of personality that I am and then to have been isolated for so long and unwell for so long to then never really having that time to, I guess, um, have some relaxation or some rest before, and then I've got twins, and both, bless these boys, didn't sleep for, I think, at least the first, I don't think they slept through the night. Obviously it got better, but they definitely didn't sleep through the night till they were three. So they were just not good sleepers, and so when they were newborns, mm. less newborns, honestly, they those things just sleep like they mm-hmm. were okay. So the first six weeks, I was thinking, what is everyone whinging about? These these are easy, like they just. But it's a sense of false hope, uh, you know, the way they 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 set you up for thinking that it's going to be easy. Wow, so I was doing a lot because I guess I didn't have any freedom prior. And then all of a sudden I've got these twins that just sleep all the time for the first six weeks that I just didn't rest. I guess I was running around the house and doing stuff. And and so then all of a sudden when they decided that they were in the world, they'd really realised they weren't in my stomach anymore because I'm sure that's what happens around the six-week mark. They actually mm-hmm. wake up. Um, they just didn't sleep, you know. And and if they did, it was it was for 45 minutes ago just one sleep cycle. So I could have been up, oh, gee, 10 times minimum a night sort of alternating between the two of them. You know, I'd be getting up, walking into walls, having no balance. You know, you don't know where you are. If Have I even Mm. been to sleep? No, it was a minute ago that I put my head down. Uh, And quite often I would just go, there's no point going to bed. So I'd lay on the floor and just have my hand inside the cot and I'd be Banging, you know, tapping their bums to try and, you know, get them back to sleep, where I'd be lying on the floor trying to rest. Or I'd be doing calf raises or something, or uh, my uh, pelvic floor muscles or something while I'm patting their bums to sleep. I was just trying not to, I guess, get myself so upset about the fact that I was awake that I was trying to focus on on something else, little mini exercises that I could do next to the cot or whatever. But, mm-hmm. look, it really did take its toll and, um, you know, it got to the point where I, I can't explain it any other way that, than that I went into some sort of form of psychosis. And, yes, I think it was definitely because I was so sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. I think it was definitely because I'd experienced such a illness for long, such a long time and I'd been isolated for such a long time. And I think that I had obviously postnatal depression. But for me, it was not necessarily crying and and sucking my thumb in a corner. Yes, there was a lot of tears, but it was actually more aggression and anger um, and feeling like I was going to explode. And I guess that was the hardest thing to realise that I actually had depression because I always thought depression was crying and sucking my thumb in a corner, not being angry and psycho. So that's where it was probably took so long to get it diagnosed, Um, but, look, I I just wasn't coping and, um, you know, there was definitely a couple of times where my poor husband did not want to go to work and I know it was because he was very scared of leaving me alone. Um, And I guess at that point that's when I realised that I needed to do something about the situation. Um, And my husband and my mum organised me to go to a sleep school And it was at the sleep school that it was more so found and diagnosed that I had the depression. And I guess it was a relief too that someone was telling me that I had this rather than me thinking I had it. It was nice just to be told, to to have some name for it, but I guess I still wasn't okay with it either. I was extremely embarrassed and I felt very um, disappointed is probably the word in myself. I was very, very disappointed about how I, as a strong person, could have allowed myself to get into such a state, which is so disappointing now, you know, at 42, I know back that that is definitely not anything to do with you being a failure or weak or or any of that stuff, it's just you're only human, you can only deal with so much. And so I think that um, after I got the diagnosis, I was put on medication and it definitely helped. Um, But it was still a very, very, very long journey of self-acceptance of one that I had that to learning to have some compassion for myself in my current situation and compassion for what I'd been through and um, to, to, I guess, have some empathy for myself and not um, expect so much from myself. That was a really long, long journey, and it was many years. So it might have been, a, it might have been three to five years that it took me to sort of overcome these things. Where for me, I realised that this is as bo- this is as low as I can possibly feel. I just didn't want to exist, but I didn't want to not exist either. It was a hard thing. Like I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't also want to live. And so I understand when people um, are possibly. Thinking of things like that—that that it is difficult because it's not that you want to end your life; you just want to end the pain you're in, and and it's it's a very very hard feeling to go through because then you actually feel disgusting that you're thinking that as, as well, and then that contributes. Oh, it's a it's a just web. this. Yeah, it is. It's a web and of I want, horrificness. I wonder as
1: well if it's a certain type of personality that tends to be a little bit more susceptible to these things. I mean, for myself, I, I experienced prenatal depression and I found that I'm a type A, got to get stuff done, don't have time for this, like I'm busy, I, you know, perfectionist, all of that. And um, I really struggled similarly with accepting that actually, no, you're human and these things happen and it's nothing to be ashamed about and nothing to be embarrassed about. And um, I just think I can so resonate in your story because you just sit there going, well, I mean, like part of me was like, but I don't have time for this. Like, just get your shit together, Leonie, because you don't have time to be depressed. Like, come on, we've got things to do. <laughs> and it's yeah, that and harsh, you're letting And you're
0: letting everyone down. Exactly. Yeah. That
1: negative chat on yourself. And it is such a web, a spiral of emotions. Um, what did you think? helped you during that time? And I'm curious as well. So obviously you, you took some um, medication did that, was that, you know, a, of benefit to you? What was your um, experience with that? Because I know some girlfriends of mine, for example, who are on antidepressants, they said coming off them can be very challenging. So, you know, looking back now, what was your experience
0: around that? Yeah, I I guess, you know, I think sometimes you have to look at things in a way of evaluating the the lesser of two evils. And, um, you know, in an ideal world, it would be nice to think that we don't need um, assistance for our health, wouldn't it? It would be nice to think that we're healthy and, and, you know, we're bouncing around. Uh, But the reality is you need to pick the lesser of these two evils that you might be confronted with. And, And what I mean by that is obviously do I allow myself to feel like i'm feeling and again this is not this is not a feeling that you can snap out of in you know everyone gets depressed and has emotions they're not things to take medication for but when it becomes um a psychological imbalance or a a chemical imbalance it's a different thing and so yes ultimately antidepressants can be a very difficult thing to come off the side effects can be difficult for some people one of the practices, I guess, that I, and it sounds so corny, but it, it works, but it has taken me a long time to to get it right, and that is to really be in the moment that I'm in, being someone who is uh, an A-type personality. I'm const- constantly controlling and organising within an inch of its life. But I'm often therefore then living in the future, never really in the present. So that's actually a very active thing that I have to participate in even to this day. But I have, of course, 20 years later gotten very a, a lot better at it. Um, and definitely since I've gone through all of this with my children, because a lot of, if you think about it, a lot of these anxieties that you have is not just the judgment you have on yourself, but the constant worry of things you think you should be doing and should be is, is the future. Um, it's not really focusing on your present. So one thing that I found was that after I guess I got over the anxiety of and the disappointment that I needed medication, uh, I just thought I either feel like this or I do something about it. And even if you don't want to have this medication, Bryony, you need to do it for the people around you because they're suffering as well. So I kind of took that view that I had to do it for everybody else and that I would deal with my own issues with it later. And, of course, the medication did work. For me, anyone that is taking uh, an antidepressant or medication for anxiety, it's a journey in itself and it's definitely not one that you need to take the approach of it being a band-aid, that you'll put it on and the minute you feel good, you'll rip it off. It doesn't work that way. It is a journey that you need to commit to for, you know, maybe a year at a minimum and possibly even a few years um, and for some people, it becomes a lifetime journey, and that's okay as well. There were times that I came off it; definitely not an easy thing to come off. You know, and, and some of them are quite heinous to get off. But for me, there's been times where I've been able to get off the medication for a while, but then have had to to go back on it. And I've since found out that for me, I have PMDD, which is a premenstrual like extreme premenstrual symptoms. Um, For me, it's around ovulation and I always thought, hell, I'm on antidepressants but why is it for two weeks of the month I actually want to kill someone? It's just, it was like this rage Mm -hmm. and the doctors, I think because my past was having had depression and being on antidepressants for both depression anxiety just assumed that the tablets weren't working and then they'd up my dose and and it just wasn't working and then I realized myself with a bit of digging around that I'd that obviously I had this hormone imbalance as well so I've had to do some little extra things to assist with that to help it Um, so sometimes it definitely can be can be a hormone imbalance as well. So I think that if you are finding that it's you're struggling, um, maybe investigate that as well um, and, and just see if there is is an element of that because definitely around ovulation and your period, there can be chemicals that are released. Obviously, your estrogen or your um, different hormonal level levels affect the brain. Mm. And, of course, if you're already suffering from depression and things like that, then it can definitely be um it could definitely be that that's part of the problem rather than thinking you're actually going insane there could be that layer
1: as well so you're at the sleep school you've spoken to the psychiatrist how so talk me through that experience so how did the boys go at sleep school leaving sleep school did you feel more grounded were they sleeping what happened then
0: Yeah, look, I love the sleep school and funny enough, one of the nurses that looked after me there is um, an an Adorn customer still um, because I had just started um, Adorn when the boys were about six or nine months old, I can't remember now, but so I just started my um, business journey because that's what you do when you're... you're (laughs) an A-type personality and you've got depression. Um, I started a podcast. Wow. So, you know, say, say, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. There's a, there's a perfect example of being completely nuts. Um, so for me, look, look, I have to say I fell in a bit of a heat when I got home from the sleep school because I, again, expected that that would be the answer. Um, and I think that's the personality thing where you're just like, okay, that's going to be the answer or this book's going to give me the answer or this type of dummy is going to be the answer. You know, you're always looking Mm -hmm. for the answer to solve the problems and having a baby is an evolution every day and every day changes. And it sounds cliche, but you know yourself that it's never the same. Um, It's always very, very different. And so I think if someone had have just told me, even at the sleep school, look, these are just some things that you can uh, fall back on to help you, Um, or or use as a reference yes I've done that Mm -hmm. they're this they're that it's that's I've done everything I can do but they're still unsettled okay well I'm just going to have an unsettled day Um, I think I just needed to know that there was going to be some days where I wouldn't get out of my pajamas Mm -hmm. like really really like not joke about it but genuinely like I know that Sometimes just shit's going to hit the fan and your day is just going to totally mm-hmm. fall to pieces and if all you get done is keeping your children alive, then that's that's your day. And so, no, the boys didn't really change at all. Uh, they just continued on their own little path. And now, obviously, as as more experienced I'm having had a third, um, who I was much more relaxed with, you know, you know that they go through times where they want to cluster feed and all, and they literally like want to swing off your nipple for the whole day. Like you literally can't leave them. Um, they do have forty-five minute naps sometimes. It's okay if you can't get them to sleep past that. Um, it, it, they're not going to not sleep for the rest of their life. It is just a moment in time. It feels like an eternity when you're in it. But I just needed to know that each day wasn't somehow going to mar them as a baby or mar the journey with them. I think I thought, oh my God, they're not sleeping for the- during the night. So is this how they're going to be mm-hmm. till they leave home? Or um, they did eat solids at this time. Mm-hmm. So are they never going to eat? Like, I think you just take it literally that this is going to be your mm-hmm. life forever. And it's not, it might just be that day or that week that they don't sleep. But You know, people often ask me, especially younger mums or mums that have younger children than mine, does it get easier? And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It gets different. It's just the demands are different. And I was much easier with great or easier going or or found it so much easier with Grayson, my youngest, because and that's not to say I didn't lose my shit sometimes because you're still sleep deprived. But I definitely never felt like oh, God, he's doing 45-minute sleeps, this is my life and I'm failing because it's not doing. he's not doing what the books say or the nurse have said or the sleep school said, oh, maybe I'm not feeding him enough. Shit, I better sh- shove some formula in his throat as well. Um, you know, all these yeah. things rather yeah. than just go, okay, yeah. this is just a shit day. Um, yeah. This is just where so with him I could do that. I'm like, oh, this is that cluster feeding yeah. nonsense. Okay, my week yeah. is going to be boob in your mouth. Literally, that's all I'm going to get done. So I was much more forgiving and compassionate to myself because mm-hmm. I'd been there and done that. So what a shame we can't somehow have these mechanical test yeah. babies prior to our, <laughs> our first time. But it's so much easier. Um, but. You know, first time mm. mums especially, uh, and that's not to say sometimes first time mums are fine, and then they might get depression with their second or third. But, but I do think it's a hard it's a hard yard when you're a first time mum, um, because you just don't know what you're in for, and you're you're so impressionable mm. because you want to get it right that you, you're, you're clinging to anything anyone says you says to you. You feel judged and, and criticised if someone tells you something that you don't want to hear. Um, it's a, it's a time for self-discovery definitely big um growth curve and- isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yeah, it really it really
1: so I just am still trying to wrap my head around the fact that okay, you had all of that going on, you have twins, you have, you know, that expectation on yourself that we all have, and you know, there's all that sort of mental head head stuff going on as well. Then you start a dawn with like the little babies, and then I'm sure there'd be mum guilt mixed in that and all of that. Talk me through how did you manage to do all of that at that time?
0: Well, I, I kind of think I, there has to be some kind of cray-cray. It's kind of like you would have to be nuts <laughs> to do that. So maybe the nuttiness got me through it in a way. Like I just, yeah, if you do not. So you're just busy. Yeah. I, I just, for me, I can't, I think I'm just naturally um, what I would call an entrepreneur. I had my own business when I was about 12 and I've, I've even got a profit and loss book from that. But I think for me, I'm just born that way. And I and so it was probably just a natural thing for me. It wasn't like, oh, I have to start a business and it was hard. It was just that that's probably the way I'm wired. But that's not to say it was easy because it was batshit crazy to do that, to be honest. Um, I, I think for me, I felt that it would give me some uh, clarity around being something other than just a mum of twins that I couldn't control. You know, it just gave me something to, to strive for. And also, I guess there was the other side of me being a mum. I, I wanted to find a way that I could stay at home with them for as long as I could. So I did think that, you know, if I started uh, my own little makeup brand and by by no means did I expect it to be what it is today, it turned into something that I didn't expect that, yeah, it, it, be, it became this... Uh, it just became its own little beast that, yes, I definitely mm. have to invest a bit more time into it because people were loving the products, um, wanting mm. more of the products. I couldn't constantly be taking phone calls, so I thought I'd better mm. start a website. Uh, so it really was just these finding my way through all of these different things, um, navigating mm. how I could do this uh, on an online space, which was probably very unheard of back then, Um People would still like go to you'd go to a department store, wouldn't you? You wouldn't buy mm. makeup online 12, 13 years ago. Um, mm. So it was finding ways around how I could, I guess, have this business that was growing before my own eyes. But yeah, there was definitely guilt around. Wow, well, this is really taking off, but I need to be with the kids as well. And my husband and I at the time really didn't have any money either. Like we were quite. Um, you know, quite stressed in that regard. Uh, so it wasn't easy. The whole thing wasn't easy. Um, the balancing of it wasn't easy. Um, knowing when and where to spend my time wasn't easy. Knowing when and where I should invest my money wasn't always easy to know. And I think when you've got children, of course, you, you're not just able to think about yourself anymore. You really need to think about your decisions having an impact on on a whole family. And that can be quite overwhelming and daunting.
1: absolutely. So did you have the boys in childcare and then you were able to work? Is that sort of how you balanced it and and found the time? Yeah, so
0: when I realised that um, I'd created this little beast, um, Mm. I decided that I'd set the website up and I couldn't afford to, nor did I want to put... The boys into daycare at that point in time, um, but what I did do was I set up a home salon. In um, and again, I thought, oh God, who's going to want to come and have their bits waxed in someone's house? Like they're not going to want to do that. But I thought I'll just drop some flyers around. So my husband and I um, printed a heap off, and we we literally spent every night pushing the, the pram, something to do, and just putting these flyers out. And then, funny enough, I got calls and people wanting to get their waxing done, what I then did was when I had enough clients was I tried to condense them into one day so that then I could have that day to do all of the waxing and i was then able to use that money to employ my first person to help me out basically a a nanny um, just for that day and actually i got two days out of the waxing money so i'd get two days the day that she was there to help me while i was waxing and then the second day um, i'd be able to work on the business side of things so it, it was hard because yeah there was no I wasn't seeing any money I was working very hard just to get a small pittance just to try and make that next step and but you know I had to that's just what I had to do and so every little bit of money I made I would then buy you know another product what I might have been able to do is afford 10 of one thing and so of course my profit margin was just fairly existent because I was obviously um, expecting these uh, local manufacturers to make such small batches for me Mm -hmm. that, of course, they were charging me through the roof. So whenever I made a little bit of money, I might make extend that to then I might get fifteen the next time or twenty the next time. So you know it was really about balancing the finances so that I could reinvest it back into the business. Um, and then I just kept waxing as many customers as I could to help me grow the business. And then it got to the point where I was able to employ. Um, someone to help me with the office side of things. And I just remember being really proud when I was able to fill up, I had this plastic stack of shelves that you can get from uh, reject shop or something. I remember being so proud when I was able to fill those three drawers up with stock. Like it was just, I've still got those drawers to this day because, you know, just to remind me that, you know, where this has come and how difficult those times were. But um yeah, look it's definitely just incremental steps. It's just taking those small those small steps and and they're the fa- they build the foundation for the success later on rather than trying to rush it all in one go.
1: Do you think having the business supported you and your mental health? Do you think that's why also you invested the time because it was something that you could just focus on you potentially could control to an extent and it was an outlet for you? I mean, what what supported you, do you think in your mental health.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree. I think that because I'm naturally wired that way, um, it's part of who I am. Like I could sit and talk to someone about, doesn't matter what business it is or, or whatever. I just love it. I love um, being able to create businesses, business ideas. Um, I just have a natural ability for that. And for me, it's ingrained in me. So to be able to do something that I enjoy, and for some people that might be painting or, or drawing or whatever, but for me, it's Business that that growing something out of nothing, I find extremely fulfilling. But that's not to say that while I was doing that, I wasn't feeling guilty that I wasn't with my kids. Um, I was feeling guilty. Oh, look, they're in daycare. Really, you should just be home with them, making homemade chicken nuggets. Because you know, at the um, mums group, I'm the one that comes up with the ready-made donuts from Coles, and everyone's Uh, made theirs. You know, I'm I'm that mum. I'm the mum that buys this shit. I don't make it. So (laughs) as much as I love cooking, I just, you know, so Mm. I just thought, you are, God, this is not good. Like you should be doing what all these other mums are doing. And so, again, many, many years of self-talk, I still talk to myself every day about various things. I try and talk to myself. I'm going to sound nuts, but it works in the third person. And so I would do things like, okay, right, this week you have just done nothing but feel like shit when you're working because the kids are not with you and then when the kids are with you, you're not enjoying it because you're wanting to work. This is ridiculous. So you're going to have to find a way, Briny, where you can enjoy working because that's all you can physically can control right now. And when you're with the children, enjoy them because you're not working. That's all you can control at that moment. So I really had to have a good hard chat to myself and... I still do. I have to remind myself sometimes because I am naturally someone who wants to do 5,000 things at a time. But I have to say, okay, right now you are talking to Leone, and that is all you can control. You can't worry about anything else that possibly might be going on that needs your attention. Um You've got to focus. And I think when I was able to, to practice, genuinely practise that, and, again, it takes years to get this psyche in your mind, especially if you're not naturally wired to be carefree, that um, I would drop the boys off and I'd say, okay, now these boys are in childcare now. They are safe. They are well. They are happy. You are now not allowed to think about them until you pick them up. And I would do the same thing when it was when I was with them, okay? The, you now have the boys. Today is your day with your children. You are not going to think about a dawn today. A dawn will wait till tomorrow. And it's very much about having that conversation with yourself so that you can just nip that in the bud and get focused with what you can. And I think that if you can practice that, Those things become a lot easier, and that self guilt and that self pity even um, can all be lifted, and and not make you feel so bad.
1: Oh, it's such a good tip, and it's so true because I think as mums we do want to be in a million places at once, and then there's also the personalities that also already are wired that way. i.e. even myself, so it's so important to make that conscious effort, Um, mindful of time. I know you're a very busy person, so just on that any final words of advice around how, you know, new mums can be navigating all of these this, these mix of emotions and and just the
0: journey in itself? Yeah, I, I think I, if I could make a suggestion not to read any baby books, I, I honestly, and there's, and I'm not going to name it, but I think there's one in particular that I think really contributed to me Going off the rails because it really made me feel like I was held accountable for not getting it right. Um, I think if you if you if you can try and just go by your gut feeling because I'm a big believer that 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 intuition was given to you for a reason. And we've been giving birth to babies since the beginning of time, and there was no books back then. But I just feel that it's really setting you up for failure because you are being, you're already then holding yourself to that standard and you're already holding yourself to the answers that are in that book. They're not the answers for you, your lifestyle, your child, maybe it has some disabilities. I don't know. Like you really can't find those answers in a book. There might be bits you can, but I think when you're a new mum, you're so vulnerable that you'll just take on anything and forget to listen to your own intuition and If you're getting a feeling and that's just like this overwhelming feeling, that's the right feeling. Again, I'm no medical expert, but I do know that I think the biggest mistake we make is holding ourselves to this higher ground of expectation because there is no right or wrong. As long as your child is safe and fed and loved, how you do those three things, it's really up to you and the way you want to do those things.
1: That's so true, isn't it? Creating boundaries for yourself and really sort of protecting yourself as much as possible because yeah. you are inundated um, I think, left, right and centre. Yeah,
0: and and don't think, and I, and I think finally, I think don't think that you can balance everything. Yes, you can be present with what you're doing at that time and I think that will definitely alleviate a lot of stress for you um, because that also works on you know boundaries but don't think that you can balance everything and be everything or do all of the things that you did before and so for me one thing that I often will do is work on three things that I can really commit to that are the most important things to me at that time of my life. So having a conscious Discussion with yourself that right now, family has to be the priority, myself and my health. um, And then maybe you might add exercise to that, or maybe you might have friends added to that. Um, But it's very much about picking the three things that you can commit to and commit to well. And I promise you'll feel so much happier and enlightened and fresh and light that you've just decided that for now those other couple of things are something you'll have to come back to in six or 12 months.
1: It makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much, Bryony, for your words of advice, looking back on your motherhood journey. One thing I love about you is that you're just so straight up. You're just like, this is what I think. And, you know, and it just, yeah, I feel like every time I speak to you you know, here um, through your podcast, et cetera, um, it just hits home. I love it. Um, so, Tell me, where can people find out a little bit more about you and obviously your fantastic business, Adorn Cosmetics,
0: as well? thank you. So, of course, um, you've mentioned the podcast and there'll be a link there. Um, But if you're wanting to follow me a little bit more, you can definitely do so through my Instagram, which is just Briny Kennedy. Um, Or, of course, you can also follow Adorn Cosmetics, which um, you can do so through the website or you can follow through our um, Facebook page and of course we've just recently released an Adorners community um, on Facebook and it's more of a private community and it's one that's grown to over 2,000 in about three weeks. It's a hugely fast growing community where I spend a lot of time just helping women feel good about themselves by, you know, just small things I can do every day and whether that's got to do with makeup or being kind. I'm a big advocate for people being kind to others and themselves. I think often we are least kind to ourselves, more kind to others. Uh, So that group has grown really well. So you can definitely uh, check in there and you get to um, have a live chat with me from time to time too. Oh,
1: cool. I'll I'll pop all of those details in the episode notes. Thank you so much again, Briony.
0: Thanks, Leonie, for having me. thanks for listening.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. By subscribing to the podcast, every new episode will drop into your podcast library each week. Subscribing is also such an essential way for people to find us and to enable us to grow. Want to be part of the Mum Life community? Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at mumlifepodcast. Until next time, keep living your best mum life.